Hello and welcome to episode 4 of the Conveyancing Podcast. Um, thank you for tuning in. Um, I'm your host Matthew and I'm joined today by my co-host Thomas. How are you today Thomas? I'm fine, pleasure to be here again. Good, good. Um, these are the ways that you can currently consume the podcast. Uh, it's originally on YouTube. Uh, we also have a Facebook page and a Twitter page. We're on Anchor FM, uh, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and a number of other uh, podcasts. Um, I can't remember which ones those are, but though. And uh, please subscribe to one of those if you want to get more news on conveyancing. And um, I'm just going to put out a disclaimer: like we are not offering legal advice. We're just offering an overview of the conveyancing news and our own uh, take on that. Yeah, exactly. So, we've got a few articles to go through today. Yeah, the first one, uh, well, first couple being from the Law Society Gazette. So, the first one is uh, about coronavirus here, and it's about the SRA won't be allowing the exams to go online for law schools, which probably means that we might not have solicitors for a while, or new solicitors. What do you think about this, Matthew? Yes, um, I would have thought that, given the current circumstances with the virus and everything, that they might have allowed people to to do the training online. Um, I don't know if it'd been like moving towards going online, but um, apparently the um, the way that they're currently done is is not online, um, and the law schools are going to have to postpone the examinations. So yeah, there won't be any lawyers being created for a couple of weeks. I don't know how that's going to affect. There won't be any trainees for the law firms to take on. What do you think? It's um, a bit of a tough um, answer to this problem that has happened. I, I I would have imagined that internet, like you've said, would have been the first choice, and it would have been like an acceptable choice. I I don't see the real complications of doing it. I don't see why they won't allow it. But mm. uh, they must know what they're doing i guess so we'll just have to uh, see how this plays out really i'm not sure if there'll be that many problems because maybe this period of time that we're talking about is not much longer than possibly two months possibly so maybe two months is it's enough for it like you know it's enough for no new solicitors or lawyers to be needed it says here that it's important that supervision is in place to ensure integrity and security. So, obviously, they think people might cheat online, get someone else to do it for them or something. And it says here that the University of Law, Britain's biggest law school, is hoping to convert some assessments to online methods in the future. So that would be positive. Assessments are definitely something that can be done on the internet. I understand their concern about exams, but there's still plenty of ways you can do exams on the internet without 
problems i i do believe yeah there's always there's always a way to do it i think they've they, overcome most of the problems yeah that with that in uh, other institutions it says here that it the coronavirus shouldn't disrupt the new solicitors qualifying exam which is due to start next autumn in 2021 hmm. so you'd well you'd hope the the outbreak is over by then you never know never know i mean should be hopefully <laughs> yeah. this uh next article is also about the coronavirus as um stated in the title which is coronavirus now uh, new guidance over conveyancing tra- uh, transactions so yeah it says that you know a lot of the focus on the um coronavirus outbreak has been sort of retail and hospitality like hygiene in hotels restaurants um you know shops uh, supermarkets and now people are starting to sort of wake up to that this may affect the residential conveyancing transactions so um, the ways that it might affect conveyancing is these examples here are like uh, the person buying might want the property to be decontaminated before they move in in case there's like trace of the virus left over Mm. or maybe where they buy it and the seller refuses to leave because they're still isolating and then um, another one which uh, I, I thought about before it's like if the banking system shuts down if the banks decide to send their employees home then no one's going to be able to sell or uh, send any money like ch- by chaps or whatever mm. and then uh, removal companies like if they can't get the gear um, their um, furniture moved from one house to another that would be a problem and um, if you need witnesses to sign legal documents they might not be able to attend yeah exactly or and that and the same goes for like a surveyor or a value you know somebody doing an evaluation on a property yeah they might not be able to turn up and do that oh boy <laughs> yeah this, in many uh, ways it could be affected there's so many well let's um we just have to hope that things don't get as affected or or get worse really i mean it could mm. Mm, it could affect it in a more negative way as in like maybe people don't even manage to sell their houses anymore because people are too afraid of the house has already been contaminated so they don't even want to buy a new one you know i don't know mm. but like it could be it could be worse in a very simple way so let's hope it doesn't get worse or even this bad you know like yeah the law society saying you know if you've issued contracts maybe you should review the contracts and see mm. what kind of um clauses there are in there covering um, strange events like these because maybe they haven't really been taken into account in the past but um, I would think that most contracts would cover you know if the seller refuses to leave it doesn't really matter for what reason but I guess like you can't really force somebody out if they're in isolation for a 
deadly. Maybe a lot of yeah, maybe a lot of buyers are nice as well, and they say, well, maybe you could just stay with us or something while you try and find some new place. I don't know. Like, well, they might not be nice if they haven't got anywhere else to live, because they'll be paying out for a hotel room, or I suppose they can go and live with family or whatever, or friends. Yeah, I mean, buyers, they get to the house of the seller, and the seller, you know, since it's quarantine, maybe they allow the seller to stay there for a while until he or she finds a new place. I don't think it'll be the case, though. I mean, yeah, you can always just stay with family if it's an option, so... Mm. I mean, where's the liability, like, if the guy can't leave, if the um, sellers can't leave due to the virus... Are they liable for any damages? Would mm. they have to pay? It's a tricky one. Let's hope it. Um, all of this gets cleared up, really, or all of this gets under control in the next couple months. Mm. Hopefully, it doesn't take too long. This next one's about a sister aged 66 who has been banned or, well, struck off for trying to kiss a 15-year-old in a pub. Right. It says a 15-year-old. Is it a girl or a boy? Do we know that? I don't think we do. Oh, kiss her. Okay. 15-year-old girl. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, because you never know these days. And, <laughs> um, yeah, veterans list convicted of sexual assault after trying to kiss a teenager in a pub. Well, I mean, he wasn't doing it in his office, was he? I mean, it is an offence. I guess any criminal offence could lead to you being struck off. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, we're not saying he's not in the wrong. We're just saying, you know, that we're talking about him being struck off here. Mm. Like, it is, you know, obviously it's It's not sexual assault. Yeah, it's not misconduct at work. That's what I'm trying to say. It's not like anything he did in his job. It's not good that he's done what he's done, but it doesn't. It it you know he maybe he shouldn't have been struck off for so to say. He didn't like that, like Matthew just said. He wasn't really in a workplace or anything. This was just a pub. So. And he was trying to kiss her, so he didn't actually kiss her either. Yeah, I, I guess. I guess that. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I don't think that. <laughs> I don't think that applies. So he pleaded guilty and he was sentenced to a community order. 25 days or 100 hours of unpaid work and had to pay £100 compensation. So, yeah, that's pretty steep, no? Like 100 hours of work unpaid. He even got struck off too, like... I don't know if he had to do sweeping the streets or whether he did, like, legal work. I don't know, yeah. I I don't think it actually says... It doesn't go into too much detail on that matter. I doubt he could do legal work anyway. At the age... Struck off. Oh, yeah, struck off. At the age, I'm not sure if he could be sweeping the streets too long, is what I mean, anyway. Actually, at 66, he's probably due to retire soon anyway. Yeah. I don't know if this will affect his pension, because he would have just about been trying to draw a pension. Hopefully not. I mean, it says at the end that the tri- uh, the tribunal, uh, tribunal, tribunal agreed 
the tribunal agreed that Black should be struck off and that he pay £1,275 in costs. Mm. So he had to pay 100 and then he had to pay 1275 mm. I mean, It's not that big of a cost if he's already got it's a, it doesn't affect his pension, I don't know. Yeah. It says, the sentence included a statutory five-year notification requirement as the victim was aged under 18. So does that mean he's on the sex offenders register then? Most likely. But um, I thought the age of consent was 16. Has it actually changed to 18 then? Um, I think age of consent is probably 16, but this person was, this individual was still 15 anyway. Yeah, but it says the victim was aged under 18. I mean, if it's like professionally, like if it's a teacher, I thought, yeah, I mean, if they're under 18 and basically they're being abused by um, somebody in a position of authority. But mm. I thought the age of consent, like outside of work, was still 16. But I'll have to look that up. I believe, but I think maybe it has gone up or something. I'm not sure, yeah. I mean, she's still not old enough, so... Yeah, she's not old enough in any of the two cases, so... It says he touched her chin and tried <laughs> to kiss her, but no kiss occurred, and he did not know her age. Isn't that what they always claim, though? That they didn't know the age? Well, if she was in a pub... If she's 15, why is she in a pub? You're not allowed to be in a pub until you're 18. No? Oh, I suppose There's a lot you... of underage drinking. No, I suppose you're allowed in a pub, aren't you? If you're with your parents or whatever. Hmm. I don't know. I mean, I'm not going to go into too specific... You know, maybe she was just trying to chill out with some friends or something and this strange old man started trying to it says he has since received counselling over his mental health and ceased to drink alcohol so yeah I mean he's getting counselling maybe maybe it's some issue he's had and I don't know <laughs> like alcohol related I think maybe either way let's move on with the next one this is the Daily Mail um, what the property market might have done without coronavirus. What do you think? What does the article tell us here? I think this is a very similar one to what we had last week. It's the Boris bounce they're talking about. Mm. After Boris got elected, um, the property prices started growing again. I guess people were more confident in the future, or at least that we had some like resolution over Brexit. But they're saying now the coronavirus is affecting the uh, property market. It's growing slower than it really should be. Yeah. No, no big surprise, really, is it? Not really. I mean, these graphs and on this article are actually sort of very similar to the ones we had last time as well, last week. Just yeah, it shows um, during the like a. In the middle of 2019, the property prices rose, but then by the end of 2019, they'd gone back down again yeah. due, due to Brexit. And then, like, since Boris came in in December, they've shot they, up. 
Yeah, they've gone higher than they were before. Uh, higher than that point that they got to in the middle of uh, 2019. Yeah, and the, these uh, statistics are provided by Rightmove, which is like one of the biggest like online um, estate agents. So, I mean, everybody's heard of Rightmove. It's just the biggest one, isn't it? Yeah. So, yeah, it's no... What's that mean then? Uh, so the time taken to secure a buyer is also at an all-time low, which is a good thing. Yeah. Oh no, it's, actually, it's... in 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 2019, it was 62 days to find a buyer f- for you if you're selling a house, and then, it's but it down. has come down it's... under Boris. Yeah. Yeah, it went up to 75, and now it's gone down to 67. So it hasn't reached that point. But the point uh, in 2019, I'm talking about, where it went down to 62, and it stayed on 62 for a while, but at least it's gone down, I mean... Yeah, the Boris bounce is definitely a real effect. Yeah. So, mortgages... More properties are being bought, bought and being bought more quickly at this time last year so it's fueling shortages of property available for sale mm. and look at these uh, mortgage rates they're so low at the moment it's like 1% mortgages especially as the Bank of England just put down the interest rates again because of the coronavirus yeah so it's pretty good time to get a mortgage really isn't it probably is a good time to get a mortgage yeah maybe this is this whole coronavirus is favorable in some sort of a way it's an opportunity for property investors yeah <laughs> okay so what do we have next on the list this next one is from egi or uh, the radio Data exchange the article is about auction uh uh, auction houses or auctioners switching to remote bidding only for housing uh, for the house houses hmm. um, it's a very interesting article um, we went over it beforehand and we saw that already like 25% of buyers already use remote bidding methods hmm so maybe this well I don't think this will be bad at all I, I don't feel this will it's, it's a good precaution really mm. yeah it's um, three big auction houses like Allsop, Savills and Acutus are all going to run uh, during March they're going to do their sales with remote bidding only so all their bids will have to be taken over the phone or online I guess but as Thomas says, at the moment, 25% of all the buyers are already doing that. So people are familiar with it. They, they've they been doing it for a long time. So maybe it won't be too bad. But um, all this is to yeah avoid people gathering together for the coronavirus, of course. And um, there was something interesting down here, wasn't there? 
Yeah, there's an online uh, auction place, Bamboo, and they provide their technology to um, websites like Clove, Emerson, and Hunters. And um, that I think they've seen a boost because they're obviously their online system will uh, be useful for this kind of uh, situation. Hmm. Yeah, so there's a lot of a lot of things going on because of the coronavirus at the moment. I mean, it's only logical, really, isn't it? Hmm. I just hope. I, I really do hope things don't get worse in any sense. That's all. Hmm. It says here that you know they they're selling more houses, but they're sort of selling less coffee shops and things like that. Um, they're selling less property where people would be congregating together. Hmm. Which is a strange trend. It says here between 23rd and 27th of March, they have auctions scheduled in Chelmsford, Maidstone, Fairham, Saltash, and Brighton. Make sure you tune in between the 23rd and the 27th of March to grab yourself a cheap property. A cheap property yeah well maybe they're not cheap maybe they have like luxury million pound yeah. <laughs> mansions I don't know that's how high people bid I guess yeah that's right that's true there's always a starting point though then this next one is from the property wire mortgage lenders could pull out of the market now this at first um I, I'm I'm not sure. This is not what uh, this is not what it seems like. Like the title might be a little clickbaity. What it essentially means is because um, didn't we? Uh, it said something about it's it's basically they're not going to be lending oh. money or well yeah money, but they're not going to be lending it as much now mm. or possibly at all. It's not like they're going to get out of the market completely, right? Yeah, what it looks like... I mean, this coronavirus news, again... I mean, pretty much all of our stories have been coronavirus. Uh, mm. Apart from the, um, the solicitor kissing the girl in the pub. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah, it looks like that a lot of mortgage brokers might stop lending money um, due to the coronavirus effect. Um, why is it drying up? Well, the stock market has gone down, so there's less cash slush, slushing about. I mean, this, I think, will more affect re people remortgaging because people are looking to free up some money and they're not going to get... They're probably not going to get a remortgage at a big bank, so they'll probably go to a smaller broker and these brokers have, you know, they've been hit hard, so they're not going to be... Uh, lending out any money at the moment so I don't really know what the upshot of that is but um, hmm. yeah, and again yeah, like the, the interest rates gone down last week so nobody nobody's making any money out of lending money yeah <laughs> money out of money <laughs> no but yeah like, like I said it's not like well, some we have seen uh, in the article that some small mortgage lenders will be maybe possibly completely getting out of the market but just for now just as right now most of the mortgage lenders will probably just stand by and wait to see if things get better and if they don't 
then it might be their inevitable demise. We shall hope it isn't, though. I imagine they're just looking to put their money into other markets that are more profitable. Yeah. And like, like we were saying earlier, there probably are some upsides to the coronavirus that we're not aware of. Like, there must be some people profiting from it. Well, I hope. Because if not, it's all bad. Um, so we've got these, these next two articles here are from Legal Futures. And this first one is about a solicitor whose seven-year exile ended uh, thanks to stars. Yes. Um, it, this is about when the SRA came along and uh, started regulating, like b- before it was the Law Society that was like regulating solicitors. I mean, maybe it wasn't regulating them, it was just um, making solicitors. And the Solicitors Regulation Authority came on and it came along and everybody joined up and uh, got their firms registered. And I assume some firms didn't and they became unregulated firms. And solicitors weren't allowed to practice uh, legal activities from unregulated firms. So this lady that these stories about, she's left the profession to uh, continue to give legal advice from an unregulated firm. But now the SRA's decided to change the rules and this was strongly opposed by the Law Society when they uh, proposed it. Mm. And uh, so now she has joined back up as a solicitor and she can continue to give legal advice from an unregulated firm. So I guess that does that mean that all the SRA regulated firms should just leave the SRA now that the, it doesn't make any difference whether you're yeah. SRA regulated or not. Maybe. I I mean, maybe it's in some people's interest to stay in the SRA. Maybe they're getting some sort of a incentive. I don't know. Hmm. I mean, now that it is permitted, then... Yeah, is there really any real reason to stay in the SRA? It's a question. Maybe maybe a lot of people are asking themselves that right now. Hmm. In 2013, she closed down her law firm, TJ Shepperton. And now she runs Landlord Law. Uh, this must be the unregulated firm. And, um, oh yeah, another thing I found interesting was she, when she rejoined, when she... Uh, rejoined the role to be a solicitor again she was startled to have to do a criminal record check um, because oh, I guess yeah. when she first joined up she didn't need to do that yeah I'm guessing it's because of that but um, yeah <laughs> the poor the poor lady I mean she she was exiled and then she suddenly has to do a criminal record check maybe she thought it had something to do with her being exiled and she saw it as a personal attack but it probably wasn't it was just it's mm. just the new regulations if I'm not mistaken and from what I understand here her company Landlord Law so if you're a landlord and you're renting to tenants you just sign up and you just pay £25 a month 
and or you get a reduction on the whole year and it gives you access to all her like agreements articles guides women webinars and a discussion forum so i guess they can get all the legal uh paperwork they need to to give to their tenants and also if if they pay a higher fee like 40 a month um they can have a diy eviction kit like helping them to evict the tenant if they have a problem i guess mm. so that is quite interesting that one and it is kind of convincing related yeah i mean well it is <laughs> yeah landlords tenants landlords tenants it's unregulated What's... convincing yeah exactly it's still convincing though now um this is the second one by Legal Feature Futures, Features, Futures, and it states that lawyers face a new anti-money laundering levy. Hmm. Yeah, the new Chancellor Rishi Sunak, um, he's proposing to raise taxes, uh, levy taxes, uh, for money laundering purposes, um, to track. Uh, to tackle money laundering mm. uh, so I guess this is going to have to be paid by all law firms so uh, all, all law firms that are subject to the money laundering regulations but it doesn't say how they're going to raise these taxes like is it going to just be taken out of the taxes we already pay or is it going to be a new tax so we might have to come back to this one Later. Yeah. You have a point. We don't we we don't have enough information just yet on how to cover this completely, but we will get back to it hopefully enough. Hmm. Um, it says that you know um, lawyers and accountants are being targeted, uh, exploited by criminals to help them launder money, and um, it's like a new task force to to look into that professional mm. anti-money laundering supervision so yeah I'd like to really know where they're gonna how they're gonna raise this money will it be I mean it'll only be passed on to the customer the clients will end up paying for it basically so um Let's move on to the next one there. Yeah. All right. Perfect. Homes and property. New Docklands uh, flats offer flexible tenancies and a choice of interior schemes. This is in Canada. Wolf. Hmm. This is like evening standard homes and property. Yeah. And um, like Canary Wharf is um or the Docklands. It's an area in London. They used to build ships there, and it was all the dry docks where the, they could get big ships out of the water, and it's all been converted, like light rail, skyscrapers. I guess, like, a lot of the people living there, bankers working in the big banks around there. Uh, it's, like, riverfront, riverfront property. Um, and it says these flats have... 
residence, clubs, gyms, private dining rooms. And um, this is 10 George Street. I'm not really familiar with George Street, but I imagine it's a nice street. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it says within the banking quarter of Canary Wharf. And it's aimed at financing sector workers. So, yeah, it will be bankers. And uh, they get little parks by the skyscrapers and uh, 327 homes in total. And high-speed broadband connectivity. Oh. So they're, they're rented flat. You can't buy these, can you? No, they're rents, I'm very sure. Only rentals. But it says, lease it like you own it. <laughs> so they come with a 50-inch TV, uh, fully furnished. So yeah, they're the perfect place to live in for, like, a month, <laughs> at most. <laughs> before your money, they, money runs out. Yeah, before you're completely bankrupt, yeah. <laughs> There's a 24-7 concierge and management service, so that they'd have, like, a doorman, security, someone helping you with your bags in the lift. Yeah, I don't doubt that there's a, a lack. I mean, I don't doubt that there isn't a lack of features. It sounds like they have a lot of things in there, including the security. Well, I, I expect there to be security hmm. for everything that there is. I think it's. I think it looks nice, but it's for the rich man, I do believe. It says locally there are five shopping malls with more than 300 shops, bars and eateries and a multi-screen cinema and concert venues. So That's what what an area. <laughs> plenty to do there, no? Yeah, you've got a lot of things. Well, there you go, people. You know what to do. Head over to Canary Wharf if you want to live like a... Like a prince, like a rock star, like a rock star, like a like a king <laughs> or a queen. So it says rents start from four hundred ninety pounds a week for a studio. So that's like a one bedroom. So that's like two grand a month, uh, two thousand a month. And a two bedroom flat starts at uh, nine hundred. Eight ninety. Yeah, well, nine nine hundred. Yeah, it's crazy. It is a it is a lot. If it was a month. I guess it would be okay. I mean, it would be pretty good, I guess, for the no, price. But if you're a you're banker, weak. you're probably earning six figures as a banker. I mean, maybe the bank even pays for you to have this flat. Yeah, true, I guess. I don't imagine they're too worried. Ugh. <laughs> <sighs> All right, well, let's end with something that's, in my opinion, more luxury than what we just saw before, because I like this home a lot. This is the perfect home for newlyweds, a country home or house with excellent transport links and a little work to do. So this house is in the countryside. It's in, uh, it's in Lincoln, close to Nottingham. Uh, it's <laughs> This is what the uh, article says here. The person is claiming it's stupidly pretty and within the budget of most people wishing to escape city life. Hmm. Let's see what the price is. Yeah. So 
So yeah, so, it's very white. It's very uh, bright inside, isn't it? Yeah, it's very bright. The outside looks very, very nice. This probably would be something I'd like at some point. Uh, although I feel like it might be a little too big for my personal taste. Mm. But it still looks very nice. It's very... Uh, kind of looks simple, yet beautiful. <laughs> the kitchen. ivy growing up the outside walls. Yeah, that's a very nice aesthetic choice. That Definitely. can actually break the bricks eventually. The roots can damage the brickwork. Maybe that's why they said there's a little work to be to to be done in this on this house because it's probably yeah. probably got. <laughs> it doesn't look like it needs any crap. work, does it? But no, but maybe it's just uh, maybe something on the inside. I don't know. Maybe a toilet's broken or something, or maybe a a door hinge is not working very well. I don't know. Hmm. It's got nice hedgerows. It's got a lovely lawn and then nice trimmed hedgerows like running around the outside of the property. Lots of mm. trees. I wonder if this one's got a, a lot of acres of garden as well. Yeah. Although this is supposed to be affordable, so maybe not. The kitchen looks very luxury though. And like the interior of what I'm seeing right now seems so the very price is uh, five modern. Nine five. 595,000. That's, hmm. That's strange enough that doesn't seem very affordable. <laughs> I think that is more for, I mean, those million, multi million pound properties we looked at, they're a bit more out of people's reach, but that's the kind of money you could afford, like, maybe later in life. Yeah, but this this is for escaping the city, and I feel like this house would probably be better as a rental rather than something to actually purchase. Maybe like a holiday sort of house for a massive family, because it's a lot of money to spend on a house that isn't. I mean, well, it's got good it's got good um, connections, well, and everything according to what the article says. Yeah, so I mean, maybe if you it's, work in Lincoln, but if you work in London or whatever. It's a bit like out in the middle of nowhere, isn't it? Yeah, that's kind of what I mean here. But it looks very nice. I mean, it has a it has a very nice, not going to say old fashioned, but it has a nice, a nice sim, uh, simple style on the outside, and the inside looks very, very modern. It's very white. For instance, the kitchen has an island and everything. You can see this shot here. So there's um. You've got the lounge on the left, you've got staircase on the right. It looks very modern again, like the lounge. I'm not sure if we have a photo of the lounge or the inside of the lounge, but right now what I can see is you've got these fancy looking uh, uh, chairs, if, if you can call them chairs. They're not exactly lazy boys. <laughs> they're very low on the ground and they're sort of a, of a puffed material. It's probably like just a... A smaller sofa. It's got a oh, it's got a fireplace, but it's not a fireplace, is it? It's a wood burning stove. Yeah, it's a wood burning stove where there would be a fireplace. <laughs> yeah, the decorations spit stripy carpets and it's like Dalmatian pictures on the wall. Must yeah. be dog lovers. There's a little From pond in the back garden. Very small, but it's there. That's pretty fun. It's a little fun little thing. I don't know if the property includes all these outhouses here. I mean, there was a driveway in there, so must get quite mm. a bit of land. Yeah, I imagine this 
it has like a spacey garden as well and everything. I mean, this shot is of the garden right here with the tiny pond in it. So yeah, it says it's got four slash five bedrooms. I don't know what that means. Has it got what's, four or five? What's three reception rooms? Got and three four downstairs. bathrooms. Yeah, two ensuite bathrooms, lawned gardens with head, hedgerows, and but views like, across open fields. <laughs> but that's what I mean. Is this really a? <laughs> is this really a house for newlyweds? It's got four to five bedrooms, and it's got four bathrooms, and it's massive. Like this is such a big house. It feels like it'd be more for like a. A whole family reunion or something, you know? I, I'm not sure, anyway. Well, I do. they do say that um, coronavirus, there might be some coronavirus babies because people having been locked away for a long time, not being able to leave the house, they might, in nine months' time, we might see a baby boom. <laughs> if they buy this house and lock themselves in like maybe they'll fill up the bedrooms in nine months hey I don't see that as a as an impossibility <laughs> maybe they just happen to have bought this house while we're reading the article and now well they're there doing whatever they need to do mm. okay well that concludes today's episode I hope you enjoyed it and um thanks for tuning in again and don't forget to subscribe uh, whichever way you want to consume whether you want to YouTube watch the videos on YouTube see what we can see on the screen or go to the podcasts, uh, get it on the move in the car when you're on the running machine what, however you want to do it Yeah. Uh, drop some comments in the comments section I think that's just available on the YouTube yeah, but if um, if you want to drop a comment, just head over to the YouTube and you'll be able to do it if you're not able to do it on any other platform. Yeah, I mean, if you want to take part in an episode, uh, if you've got some advice to give out or you you just want to join in on the news recap, you know, if you're if you're an expert in conveyancing or property, please get in touch. Uh, we'd be happy to hear from you. And with that, I guess we'll be saying goodbye. And we'll see you next week. Yep. Yeah. Thanks. Bye. Bye.